powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Better Than Before. So I was going to ask, so now if I have Alexa or Google or any of those voice activated, can they do that with our podcast? I don't know. I don't have one. Alexa, activate better than before. (laughs) So I just figured, you know, maybe they could. I'd love to hear if someone has tried it. Yeah. So if you've tried voice activation with your Amazon or Google device, let us know. Info at Clear Vision Development, or you can get me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4. The other day, we had some of my friends who are also in the consulting and coaching field come into Columbia for a few days. We were all getting together and sharing some information. Whitney and Sandy from our staff did a great presentation. And in that presentation, you guys were talking about brand and you were talking about Coca-Cola. And so tell everybody what the subject of that was and then I'll tell my little story. Sure. We were talking about content marketing and as a way to show how personalization is very useful to the content marketing practice. We talked about how now Coke has come out with the personalized Cokes where you can get your name now on a Coke. But the little bit of drawback there is that they don't have everybody's name. Like for instance, Whitney is not on any Coke that I know of. So I'm coming back from a retreat in Branson with an executive team. I stop in the convenience store, break time, which is one of our clients. And I think, I think I'll have a Coca-Cola. So I go back to the cold drink section, the freezer section, and I go to choose one. And let me just say right off the bat, I'm a Coca-Cola shareholder. So I own part of the company. So I even have a vested interest in this. And I go to reach in there for a Coke and there are Cokes with people's names on it. And so I remembered your presentation, but I felt weird about drinking Frank's Coke. (laughs) So I thought, well, maybe I'll choose a Pepsi or an orange or something. Because I'm thinking, here I am driving an automobile down the highway, and I'm drinking a Coke with somebody else's name on it. And I don't know, that felt strange to me. Well, in this entire program, you watch the commercials for it, and it's all about like sharing and being inclusive. And it's like, but you're not using all different types of names so there's actually this reverse thing going on where you're you're not being fully inclusive i would have drank your coke bill if it would have had (laughs) bill or william on it or even whitney i would have but i didn't even bother looking through to see if my name was in there the front one was like frank's coke or I, i don't remember the point was it wasn't my name and i felt weird about drinking a soda with somebody else's name on it that may reveal deeper psychological problems where i'm concerned <laughs> i don't i don't know but i don't know are you guys soda drinkers or do you i am i am too yep so have you encountered this i'm a pepsi drinker oh okay i don't know if coke puts it on their puts names on their diet coke but i'm a diet soda fan so i don't really pay attention maybe they should put a leaner anthony on my diet soda bottle or something <laughs> <laughs> okay so you know we're coming down here the last week of june 
And so in my world, that means the end of the quarter. Talking to my clients this week about their goals. So I've got a journal, you know, that I carry all the time and I've got my goals written down. Three or four of them I accomplished right at the first of the quarter. I look at this every week, so I'm not surprised on some of these. There's one or two that it's going to be a stretch for me to get, but hey, If you're close, why don't you go ahead and put in that extra work, put in that extra push, whatever you need to do to accomplish those goals here as we wind up second quarter. So that's why we set them and that's why we put time on them so that it gives us a sense of urgency so we can clean our slate for next week when we will set a whole new set of goals for um, third quarter for July, August, and September. So I hope you did well on your goals this quarter. And what's really great about it is when you get to the end of the year and you see all these things that you've accomplished because you, you had a plan, you had a timeline, you had a process, and you worked through it. And, um, you know, over time, the accumulation of these things uh, is pretty satisfying. There's nothing wrong with carrying something over. So if you didn't get it finished in second quarter and you need to carry it over into third quarter, that's okay. So the main thing is just to get it done and get it accomplished. So we're going to not only uh, learn more about you guys, but we're going to learn a little bit more about your preferences. So we already know what kind of soda you like. But we're going to talk about movies in this particular segment. This month, we've been talking about communication. And uh, I'm going to wrap it up in the leadership level lesson in our third segment with just some final communication thoughts and tips as we wrap up this month. And movies are a form of communication and they're a form of storytelling. And I'm kind of curious, I ask you guys to bring your top 10 movies of all time. And that's what we're going to share with our audience today. All right, Bill, why don't you kick us off and give us a countdown of your top 10 favorite movies of all time. And I kind of would like to know too why you like the movie. These aren't in any order. So we'll start with Local Hero. I don't know if you've heard of Local Hero. It is basically an up-and-coming Houston oil exec, Mac, gets more than he bargained for when a seemingly simple business trip to Scotland changes his outlook on life. Okay, i got to make a note of that because I haven't seen Local Hero. It's very charming. Sideways, this one is struggling writer and wine enthusiast Miles takes his engaged friend Jack on a trip to wine country for a last single guy bonding experience. Awesome. American Graffiti. On the last day of summer vacation in 1962, friends Kurt, Steve, Terry, and John cruise the streets of small town California while a mysterious disc jockey, Wolfman Jack, spins classic rock and roll tunes. Yeah, and so American Graffiti is the big non-Star Wars movie that... um George Lucas made, right? George Lucas, yeah. Which is supposed to be like a reflection of his youth growing up in California. It's a fun movie. When Harry Met Sally. I think everyone's heard of that. College graduates Harry Burns and Sally Albright share a contentious car ride from Chicago to New York, during which they argue about whether men and women can truly be strictly platonic friends. Christmas Vacation. I love that movie. I play that during every Christmas time. I don't think I need to really explain that one. I think everyone's seen that, at least at some point. Beautiful Girls. This has Timothy Hutton, Natalie Portman, Matt Dillon, Uma Thurman. A group of old friends whose 10-year high school reunion creates some hilariously unexpected surprises. Uh, For me, it's kind of like going back to, you know, um, a time and friendships that you had in your youth seeing people as they've grown up and seeing them different than what you remember. 
Shallow Hal. This one is a story that revolves around Hal, who, taking his dying father's advice, dates only the embodiment of female physical perfection. Uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Clint Eastwood, Eli Wallach. Uh, classic spaghetti western. Yeah, the Clint Eastwood spaghetti western trilogy fell outside my top ten, but it's in my worthy mention list. Mm. Lost in Translation with Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson. It's a lonely A-team movie star named Bob Harris and a conflicted newlywed Charlotte who meet in Tokyo. And then it's about their relationship and how it develops. My last one, Easy Rider with Jack Nicholson, Dennis Hopper, and Peter Fonda. Two Harley-riding hippies complete a drug deal in Southern California and decide to travel across the country in search of spiritual truth. Great. So I've seen Easy Rider, Sideways, When Harry Met Sally, Christmas Vacation, Shallow Howl, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, and Lost in Translation, and American Graffiti I've seen. So I haven't seen Beautiful Girls, and I haven't seen uh, Local Hero. So... I've done a pretty good job with your list, yeah. but that gives me something to watch. Yeah. All right, Whitney, you're up. All right, so I don't really have them in order, but I'll kind of try to put them that way. The reason why I like these, it can be summed up in one word, and that's nostalgia. These are movies that my dad and I watched a lot um, when I was younger, so they all range between 1993 and 2003. So none of the newer movies kind of made it into my top list. But I'll start with one of the oldest ones, which is Mortal Kombat. It's a fun movie to watch, especially if you like martial arts. My next one is Minority Report with Tom Cruise. Again, it's a sci-fi. It's a little bit more of a detective thriller. Tom Cruise is the head of pre-crime where they're able to use psychic technology to arrest and convict murderers before they commit the crime. And so it's a very interesting kind of ethical dilemma about taking away people's free will. After that is Paycheck with Ben Affleck and also Uma Thurman. And Ben Affleck is a top-notch reverse engineer where he goes in and he uh, learns the secrets behind competitors' products, and then he has his memory erased. After doing a job for Aaron Eckhart's character, he wakes up and instead of having a lot of money, which he normally wakes up to, he has none, and he has to figure out what happened to him. So it's a very interesting movie. Fifth Element is one of my favorite movies as well, with Bruce Willis and Mila Jovovich. And this is another sci-fi kind of fantasy feel. If you haven't seen Fifth Element before, Lilo, who is played by Mila Jovovich, is the embodiment of the fifth element, and she must connect with the other four in order to prevent the approaching great evil from destroying the world. That is not a very good explanation of the movie. It is hilarious. Uh, Chris Tucker makes an appearance, and he is just so funny. I am in love with heist movies, so Ocean's Eleven is also on my list with George Clooney and Brad Pitt, a very young Brad Pitt and George Clooney, I might add. Ocean's Eight just came out, and I thought that did a very good job adding on to that uh, franchise. The Recruit is one of my favorites with Colin Farrell and Al Pacino. I love anything with Al Pacino in it. And it's about CIA's secret training ground called The Farm. And so a lot of it is a little bit more about like how people become CIA agents and kind of that secret spy type movie. Uh, Six Day with Arnold Schwarzenegger is about cloning and 
how um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character comes home from work one day to find that a clone has replaced him, and now he's trying to figure out what's going on. Next one is Demolition Man with Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes. And this is another futuristic sci-fi. Both of them were convicted of crime, put into a state of frozen incarceration called cryoprison, and they are released in the year 2032. And then my second favorite is Long Kiss Goodnight with Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. Gina Davis is a badass assassin, and that, I think, is just such a fun role for her to play. And Samuel L. Jackson is just very, very funny. When I first met you, it was like, oh, my, I burned the cookies. Now you go into a bar and sailors come running out. (laughs) Exactly. And then my top, and I can't choose one of them because I love them all as any of the Harry Potter movies. But that one is also nostalgic because I read them when I was younger with my dad. Okay, so I've seen 8 out of 10. So I've seen Minority Report, Paycheck, Ocean's Eleven, The Recruit, Sixth Day, Demolition Man, Long Kiss Goodnight, and um, Fifth Element. Okay, so I'm often asked about my hobbies, especially my clients. And, you know, I mean, we're getting to know each other. And they're like, what sort of hobbies do you have? And it's one of those reciprocity things. You ask somebody a question, and they ask you a question. And so I'm very interested in what my clients do when they're not working. So I ask them about their hobbies. They ask me about mine. And I have to say movies could be classified as a hobby. And I am really drawn to really classic type movies, uh, as you'll see from my list. So I do this every year just as an exercise. And my list has changed a little bit over the years. But my number one movie probably hasn't changed in 30 years. I mean, it's been my favorite movie forever. So we'll start at the bottom. Number 10 is Animal House with John Belushi and Tim Matheson, which is basically the college experience movie. These guys are in college in 1962. Just some of the most funny ad lib lines that people repeat over and over and over come from Animal House. Uh, number nine, and this is like, you got to kind of be into movies to watch some of these. Cause I mean, this is a lengthy panoramic, big budget Hollywood movie, but Ben Hur with Charlton Heston. So it's three and a half hours long. If you watch the extended version, it's four hours long, but it's a great story and some tremendous acting. Number eight is Tombstone with Kurt Russell, Sam Elliott, Val Kilmer, which is the retelling of the story of Wyatt Earp and brothers in Tombstone, Arizona and Doc Holliday against the Cowboys. First saw that movie when it came out in 1993. And if I'm passing it on channels, I have to stop and watch, you know, the rest of it. Number seven is the first Godfather movie with Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, and James Caan. Number six is a movie I have in common with Bill, which is American Graffiti. And the reason I think I like this movie so much is when I was a kid, all my mom and dad's records were from the 50s and early 60s. So I grew up listening to these songs. And then this movie came out in 1973, I think, American Graffiti, which had all these songs incorporated into. So it was kind of cool to see some of the things I always heard my mom and dad talk about as far as their growing up and the things they used to do and stuff like that. It's also fun to see how young Ron Howard and Cindy Williams, Richard Dreyfus, and some of these people are really, really young in there. I mean, if you're not looking for them, you won't even know who they are. Number five, and there are two Alfred Hitchcock movies in here. And number five is North by Northwest, which is also a little lengthy, but 
just a great story. Cary Grant, he's an advertising executive who gets mistaken for a secret agent. And the whole movie is about him avoiding uh, both the good guys and the bad guys because both are after him for different reasons. And he's going across the country trying to avoid them, hence the name of the movie, North by Northwest. The climax of the movie ends up hanging off the front of Mount Rushmore. So just, uh, I love Hitchcock, but that's probably... Uh, my second favorite Hitchcock movie. Number four is Godfather 2 with Al Pacino and Diane Keaton, which tells the whole backstory of how Vito Corleone came to America and started his particular faction of the mafia in New York City. Number three is Unforgiven, which I didn't really like this movie when I first saw it in 1992. I remember leaving the theater going, Clint Eastwood is falling off his horse, and he can't catch his horse, and he can't get on his horse. This is like sacrilege, because I grew up watching him in the trilogy you know, that I mentioned earlier, the Spaghetti Western trilogy. Fistful of Dollars was the first one for a few few dollars more was the second one and then the good and the bad and the ugly was the third one and uh, lee van cleef was his arch enemy he's such a badass in those spaghetti westerns and then to see him not be able to catch his horse and not get on him and not be able to ride him and not be able to shoot straight but i eventually got the story and he was like perfect for it because it's the story of somebody who used to be a badass and now isn't one and after i finally caught on to the character well then i I mean i just i love the movie number two which is my favorite hitchcock movie is rear window with uh, jimmy stewart and grace kelly raymond burr who a lot of people know as ironside and perry mason and he was a big villain in a lot of 40s and 50s black and white crime movies he's only in this movie a few times but he's the bad guy jimmy stewart who is a a photographer a wartime photographer breaks his leg so he's confined to his room and he sits in his room in a wheelchair with his leg in a cast and he's watching his neighbors and it's this moral and ethical question of is that private or should you, you know, should you be peeping in on your neighbors or not? So he gets interested in all of his neighbors and what they're doing. And he suspects Raymond Burr of actually killing his wife. And you don't really know throughout the movie whether he actually did it or not. But uh, Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly go on this adventure where they try to figure out and convict Raymond Burr of, of killing and finishing off his wife. And number one, this has been my favorite movie since the first time I ever saw it, but Casablanca with Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman, which it's such a wonderfully, um, what I like about a movie, it has to have good characters, it has to have good story, and it has to be written pretty well. And Casablanca is, is written extremely well. Um, I love the police chief uh, in the uh, in the movie, who's a corrupt he's a corrupt and he comes in the casino and he says i'm shocked i'm shocked to find out there's gambling going on in this casino and the guy comes by and he goes here's your winnings for tonight he goes oh thank you Uh, it's just great the movie is just great so here's some that just got really close to being in my top 10 Uh, another big budget big sprawling hollywood type movie but giant with rock hudson and elizabeth taylor I won a contest once because someone asked as a trivia question, what was James Dean's character name in Giant? I just happened to know that. Jet Rink. Patton with George C. Scott, another big Hollywood movie. It's fairly long, but 
Patton was one of the greatest American generals in World War II, and George C. Scott considered it an American duty to play him in a movie and actually refused to accept the Oscar for portraying him because he thought it was his national duty to do so. The Searchers and The Cowboys, so two John Wayne movies that could possibly sneak into my top ten. The Searchers, an absolutely fantastic movie, and if you aren't looking for her and you don't know that it's her, you may not recognize a very young Natalie Wood. She's only in like three scenes, but she's the girl who's kidnapped by the Indians and raised by the Indians, and John Wayne spends the whole movie searching and tracking her down. The Cowboys also has a bunch of really young kid actors in it that grow up to be actors later on. Guess who's coming to dinner with Sidney Poitier? Just a fabulous movie. It's about race and acceptance, but just a great, great movie. Gladiator with Russell Crowe and Richard Harris. Dr. Zhivago, another big Hollywood sprawling David Lean photography. Just a great movie. It's about the Russian Revolution. And then uh, another one that's a David Lean movie, The Bridge Over the River Kwai. I mean, I can go in my theater room and lose myself for three hours by watching any of these big, well-written, very strong actor, character-driven type movies. Well, those are our thoughts about our favorite movies. If you'd like to share yours with us, you can contact us and send them along. We'd love to see your list. And perhaps out of those 30 or so movies that we mentioned, you might find something to watch this weekend or over the summer. Summer is traditionally big movie time. Uh, Be right back with our special guest next on Better Than Before. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. This is Tony Richards and excited to welcome a special guest today on the program from MFA Oil. He works in their hedging department as a commodity guy and he can tell us more about it. But Tim Danzy is here on the program with us today. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate the invite. You bet. Now, what is your official title at MFA Oil Company? I believe it's hedging manager for whatever that's worth. He thinks it is. Okay. Just want to tell everybody that this is not investment advice for you or anything like that. We got to put the disclaimer out there that we're just talking about what's going on in the world today from a commodity standpoint and specifically oil and and stuff like that. And I'm just interested in Tim's background a little bit because he deals in this kind of stuff. So are you originally a Missourian? Were you born in the state of Missouri? I am not. I'm originally from Omaha, Nebraska, so I'm a Nebraskan. And I'm unique in the fact that I'm one of the few 
that's not a Go Big Red fan. Oh, yeah. So you're not a big N guy. No, no, no. Black and gold all the way. Yeah, because I know you went to Mizzou. Right. And so is that how you got to Missouri? Was that you were recruited and you went to Mizzou to play baseball? That's absolutely correct, yeah. Yeah, I remember those years. (laughs) I was back there in the same kind of time period. Right, absolutely. What year did you graduate? Um, 85, I was done. Me too. That's our our time period. What did you do after college then? I think like a lot of people. I mean, I was interested in sales. I wanted to be a salesperson. So I've come the long way, man. I banged out the cold call selling copiers. Mm-hmm. Did that for a while. I took a break and I actually went back and coached baseball for a couple of years here at Mizzou. Oh, you did? I yeah. did. I did. What years were those? Um, that would have been like 87, 88, right in there. I worked for a little while and then came back and did that, which was a ton of fun. A lot of fun, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot of hard work and a lot of time, which we all know coaches put in a lot of time. You still go to the games here? I do. I try to. I need to be way better. I'm certainly a Missouri Tiger fan, Missouri Tiger baseball fan. Yeah. Need to get out there more than I have. Yeah, I went out there last year when Kentucky played, and then uh, I think uh, Arkansas, not Arkansas University, but another school from Arkansas was there. So I enjoy going out and watching them play. Well, as you well know, the SEC is way good in baseball. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, lots of good teams there. So how'd you get in this business? How'd you get in the investment world? Um... I mean, I, I did sales, then I got into energy sales, and I've done the whole gamut. Sold lubricants and, of course, gasoline, diesel fuel, propane. And then that kind of transitioned over time into I became a marketer, which essentially was selling fixed forward prices to customers. And then some things happened, and I was with a company that got merged, and they wanted people to move north. I was in a position not to move north to Minnesota. Didn't have anything against Minnesota. It's just my kids were of an age. I didn't want to move them. So that kind of opened the door for me to kind of slip in the back to get on the other side of selling a contract to somebody is how did you manage that risk? How do you deal with that from a, you know, a a risk perspective, a financial perspective? And so that's kind of how that started for me. So what kind of attributes does someone need to have in order to be successful in what you do? You kind of got to be able to analyze certain things, right? And of course, all these markets now are global. So anything that happens in the world is a potential impact on that. So that's important too. And then you got to be willing to have an opinion, take your move and live or die with that. And I'm not saying that that's death experience or anything, but you know, you'll have some things that won't go the way you expect them to go. And and you got to be able to deal with that. Yeah. I was listening to a guy on another podcast the other day who was a trader And he reads the conference calls. He reads like 30 of them a day or something like that. That's a little bit different than what you do, but I'm sure you still have to do some of that. I do. I mean, information is, you know, information's power. And that's why you see so many of these information services now. And we subscribe to some stuff. I mean, you can spend all day doing that. Yeah. I think people are looking for, okay, take this whole deal and boil it down to me and feed it to me. And and we do some of that. But I spend a lot of time searching the news What's impacting the energy market? Trump is every day something you never know what he's going to do that could impact the market. So you got to be able to take all that and kind of boil it down to what's important to you and what do you do to help manage your business. And of course, ours is a hedging perspective, trying to level the playing field for MFA oil. Sure. So oil is obviously a commodity. What are other commodities that are out there? Corn, soybeans, sure. what else? Corn, soybeans, rice, uh, cattle. Gold, yeah. silver, palladium, all them, you know, you got a whole slug of them. When I started thinking about managing my own money, 
I went to a guy to kind of teach me and mentor me. And of course, this is just his perspective. One of the first things he said was, stay out of the commodity market. He's like, it's dangerous. It's awful. And he told me the story about a guy in Texas who I guess got addicted and lost his farm and ranch and got millions of dollars in debt. What is it about the commodities market that makes it so dangerous? I think the biggest thing is it's highly leveraged and it can be extremely volatile. We've just went through an OPEC meeting. I mean, in the past, something could happen at an OPEC meeting and prices could move violently. The other thing is, is I don't even know what it is now because it's going so large, but you know, these markets have a stop. They get to a certain point, they've moved so much, they shut down. Right. Well, in energy, that's just gotten where I, I don't know, it's like 10 bucks in crude or something. It's a big number. So a lot can happen in a short amount of time. Yeah. Two years ago, what we had $35 oil or something like that. And now we're almost back to 70. How does that affect just regular Joe guys like us? Obviously, you know, some of that's figured into our gas prices, stuff like that. Do we really need to be cognizant of what oil prices are? Um, I mean, I think it has some implications on people's view of the global economy. I think the other thing is, is for whatever reason, energy, gas prices, crude prices, that seems to be like a a real hot button with a lot of people. Yeah, I don't know that everybody gets all upset about cattle prices until they get to the steak section of the store. Yeah, but, you know, you're still going to buy it. And I mean, we all have to buy gas. Maybe that's it. You know, we get it on a daily basis of... You know, somebody's concerned that gas prices are too high. And, you know, we all know the story of the guy that watches it religiously and he drives 50 miles over here to save a penny. I mean, it's just a really, really hot button with people for some reason. You're not necessarily in that kind of business, but there are guys who do what you do on a scale where like just a dime's difference makes a big deal. They could be leveraged in for like just a few pennies. They could buy and sell on that or short sell it or whatever. Absolutely. And of course, you know, with computers now doing a lot of that, I think you're talking about one or two ticks can make a difference for some of those folks. Yeah. Yeah. You deal primarily with oil. So what is going on with the oil markets right now? You mentioned we just had an OPEC meeting. Right. So what else is going on? with? That's been the biggest thing. And that just happened on Friday and Saturday. That's certainly front and center. Bottom line is OPEC agreed to produce an extra million barrels of oil starting in July. Depending upon whose opinion, and there are several, that amounts to call it six hundred to 700,000 additional barrels. Some people think that's enough, some don't. You know, there's a lot of factors that play into that. But the market's trying to digest all that right now, figure out what does that really mean. And what it boils down to is what's Saudi Arabia going to do? That's the big question. Beyond that, this whole China trade war thing is a big deal. How does that play out and does that impact crude prices. So them are kind of the two hot topics fresh in the market right now. I've been a little distracted over the last several months, but I know not long ago, maybe a year ago, we had more oil than we knew what to do with. I mean, all the tanks were full, all the coastline refineries were all running. Everything was full. Like as some of that supply come down or do we still have as much as we've had? In terms of crude oil, we're still pretty abundant here in the U.S. And of course, that's all shell mostly. West Texas is booming again. I think I read just recently they're at record production. Problem they got now is they got so much they don't have enough pipelines to move it somewhere. So that's kind of created a bottleneck. But in terms of just crude oil here in the U.S., Mm -hmm. we're still at a pretty high level. Gas supplies are pretty good. The one that's a little iffy is diesel fuel. 
it's kind of on the lower end of the curve. And, you know, that's kind of a concern for our business, certainly, since we're diesel heavy. I saw somebody the other day talking about how the supply had gone down just a little bit so the oil guys can ratchet up just a tad or whatever. And I'm like, they're not going to ratchet up a tad. Those guys are born to get that stuff out of the ground, man. You give them an inch, they're going for a mile. You know, they're going to be drilling. Well, and I chuckle every now and then just because, just what you said, this has been a boomer bust business for a long time. And that's kind of the mentality of guys that are attracted to it. I think you're right in some of that. Are you a nine to five guy or does this stuff go through your head when you're not working? I think I've gotten better, maybe shutting it off. You know, you're always kind of thinking about stuff. How have you gotten better at it? I mean, what have you done to kind of make yourself realize there's more to life than all this ticker stuff going (laughs) all the time? Um, I think some of that is the environment that I've worked in. People I've talked to, I mean, this can be an extremely high stress business guys that are traders you know that can be extremely high stress so that's part of that I mean I've seen guys that I used to think about these guys that would say well I got up at three o'clock last night to check my position and you know you hear that two or three times and you're like is this really that important that I got to get up at three well you worked in companies before though that that's all they did right right with MFA oil it's a small part of what they do right and the other thing is is we take a pretty longer term view of the market we're trying to think ahead and we're very conservative so we take a little bit longer term view we pay attention every day but in the grand scheme of things we're trying to be a little bit longer term focus on what we're trying to plan and prepare for just to be a better professional overall What's a couple of things you think you need to work on? For me personally? Yeah. Ooh, those are tough. I mean, you can always learn. I need to learn more. And I know there's some smart people out there that I've worked with and I work with now that I need to learn. Sure. And you got to be open to that. That's part of that too. That'd be one thing. The other thing is, is, you know, I'm at that age where I'm not super technology. And, you know, we got some young kids that are pretty sharp some things like that that could help in terms of being willing to embrace technology and, and use that to get yeah. more educated information. Who has been somebody that's been a real mentor to you in this journey you've been on in this career? Boy, that's a tough one for me. I'd say the biggest influence for me personally has been my father, yeah. right? Which I hopefully a lot of us would say. How's he influenced you? What are some of the things you think you've learned from him or picked up from him? I I think they're kind of simple old adages. You know, you show up, you do the work. Yeah, sure. You know, you bet. That's emotional for me. Sorry. Yeah, you bet. What's the biggest thing you got to think about on a daily basis with what you do? As I said, we've got a little bit longer term focus, so I don't know if there's anything that's pressing. But as I said before, this is a global business. It's impacted globally. So you kind of got to stay abreast because who knows what could happen anywhere in the world tomorrow, five minutes from now. That's kind of the biggest thing. And I mean, we do have some positions we manage on a more day-to-day basis, short-term, longer-term. I mean, you just kind of got to be abreast of something that may go on. You know, you have a hurricane or OPEC did something crazy over the weekend. I mean, that can have a substantial impact on the energy markets. I'm in the MFA oil building quite a bit. I love going to Tim's office because he's got this big map over by his desk with all these (laughs) pipelines and stuff on it. I like looking at that. When you played baseball, what are some of the things you think you learned in college baseball that helped you? Were you tight with your coaches? 
Well, that's that's kind of a relative term. I have a lot of respect. I think maybe that's a better way for me to put it. Yeah. I wasn't afraid to talk to him or ask questions. I wouldn't say we were best of friends or anything Something like that. Something about it caused you to go back and want to help coach. Deep down, I think it's all about I want to help people. Yeah. You know, and I feel that way today even sure. still. You know, learn how to do hard work. Got to show up and do stuff when you don't want to. Yep. Man, are you amazed at some of the tools they have to work with today? Yeah. I mean, I've been over there, and I know you have too, and some of the stuff they've got to now practice with and use to help them and tape, and it's awesome. It's crazy. I I got a newsletter, and I read about the first four paragraphs, and about half the things they said in there, I had no idea what they were, and most of that was new technology. Yeah. So, yeah, they're they're doing good. At MFA Oil, you guys are pretty conservative on this kind of stuff, this, that, and the other. But when you were doing this on a regular basis, how did you figure out risk? I mean, how did you figure out how much risk you're willing to take? Big thing that drives that is who are you working with? Mm-hmm. Who's your client? Because ultimately that's who you were doing you know, your stuff for as the client. And, and it's their assets, right? Right, exactly. So most everybody that's dealing with a thing like this has some type of policy or something along those lines that have criteria. So that's a big thing. We're that same way. We have a risk policy and we have sure. certain levels that we got to work within. So that's probably the biggest thing. You occasionally have somebody you deal with that is a little bit more free. That can be a real challenge because the assumption is everybody wants to do this to make money. Right. And sometimes that can be a challenge. Being a hedger and trying to mitigate risk is a little bit more easy, in my opinion. Yeah. The one thing I've always heard about the markets that always stuck with me is that they're the opposite of the casino. So in the market, all you hear about are the losers. You don't hear too much about the winner. And there's more winners than losers most of the time in the market. But at the casino, what do you hear about? You hear about the one big winner and there's more losers at the casino than there are winners. But more people are more willing to go to a casino than they are to try to make some money in the market. Is there a fallacy that people have about the markets? I think that's what makes the markets really interesting is there are so many opinions. Mm-hmm. Just like on a daily basis, I can read that crude oil is going to 100 bucks and turn the page and somebody else thinks it's going to 50. I mean, there's a lot of variety of opinions. And of course, that's what makes the market. It's a, it's a little sexy. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I, I think the big thing is, like you said, the people that think they can make a bunch of money. Yeah. Of course, we read all about these hedge fund guys now. So that's a big deal. You know, hedge fund guy makes a billion dollars. Well, that... That's what people know. That's what they think the market is, you know? Yeah. Do you remember your first trade? Mm, boy, I'm not sure I do. That's really? a long time ago. Gosh, I'll never forget <laughs> it. I never forget the first time I punched that button and that number started squiggling around and I just shut it off. I'm like, oh, I can't do this too exciting, you know? Right. I think it's pretty cool. Well, yeah. And of course, you know, for me, it was probably an easy decision. I was covering something for somebody. So it's like, hey, we're going to buy this. Okay, great. Well, I need to sell this. It yeah. was kind of automatic. You bet. So I got a standard list of closing questions I'm going to ask you that okay. I ask everybody that comes on the okay. show. Is this rapid fire, quick response? Rapid fire, man. Okay. As fast as you can, okay. but give it some thought if you have to. Okay. Best memory that immediately comes to mind for you? Playing catch in the backyard with my dad. Good. Number one hero in your life? My dad. Okay. Top value you subscribe to? Integrity. Most important person in your life? My wife. And your wife's name? Christy. Christy. Your favorite thing in the whole world? Favorite thing? 
Pass. <laughs> Favorite food? Pizza. All right. Most beautiful place you've ever been to? Colorado. If you could describe success in one word, what would it be? I don't want this to sound bad, but contentment. Contentment. I like it. How do you want to be remembered? As an outstanding husband and father. Advice for a younger Tim Danzy? Mm, Stay on the grind. Be patient. Do the work. What's your favorite sound? Mm, Crack of a bat. Get some baseball. I like it. And finally, what's the best lesson you've ever learned? Best lesson, I think, is you're going to get knocked down. Got to get back up and keep working. I love it. Tim Danzy, thanks for being on today, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. I appreciate our friendship. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Danzy from MFA Oil. I'll be back with today's leadership and business lesson on Better Than Before. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday morning coaching memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday morning coaching memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. This is Tony Richards, and today's leadership and business lesson is going to revolve around communication. Throughout the month of June, we've been highlighting on our content that we share with you from Clear Vision Development Group, communication and some of the traps, some of the tips, and some of the advantages of being a strong communicator. And I would tell you today that our very success is heavily dependent on our ability to communicate. And that's not just for professional speakers. From school children to grandparents, everyone should work on improving their communication skills so they can improve their lives. Improving your ability to communicate will be one of the most important things you ever do. And one of the easiest ways to improve your communication is to start by solidifying your base, so to speak, by working on and improving some of the fundamentals. And to get you started, I got a few areas that maybe you should think about, know, and perhaps work on and master. Communication is powerful, for better or for worse. There's a proverb in the Bible that says the tongue has the power of life and death in it. This is very true. What a person says can build people up or it can tear them down. The ability to communicate is a powerful responsibility. Whole nations have been inspired to action because of a single individual's passionate words. On the other hand, countless millions of children have been deeply hurt because of the derogatory words that have been spoken to them by their parents. Maybe you can remember a memory that someone said something to you that was maybe hurtful or painful, and maybe it still lasts with you to this day. You got within you incredible power of communication. You can create tremendous things in your life if you take communication seriously and use its power to help others and yourself. Continuing this knowledge with a heart set on doing good is the first step in unleashing this incredible force. Communication has to be purposeful. In order to be effective, your communication should be on purpose. Now, occasionally, you may say something off the top of your head and something that can hold weight with others, but this is the exception and not the rule. 
in order to become an effective communicator, you should be very purposeful about your communication. Know what you want to communicate, when you want to communicate, how you want to communicate. Decide what kind of communication will enhance your life and the lives of those around you. And then plan your steps for communicating that way. And then work your plan. Know what it is you want to accomplish and how you must communicate in order to do so. What you say must match what you do. Remember, people watch what you do, not just what you say. What you do always outweighs what you say. If you say one thing and do something else, people will follow what you do rather than what you say. If you say something and back it up with your actions, you will provide the proof for people who are listening to you and they will be much more willingly able to follow your lead. This is how trust is either built or torn down. Improve the big two in your life, which are speaking and writing. When it comes to communication, these two increase your ability to speak and write and you will improve your career position two steps. Don't think that you have to become the best speaker or the best writer in the world. Just set your sights on the next level above where you are now. And once you get there, continue to work to the next level. So what are some tips for becoming a better speaker and writer? Let's start with speaking. One thing you could do, there's a club called Toastmasters. And you can join Toastmasters and they'll help you get more comfortable speaking in front of other people. And there's a cohort group and a peer group and you usually get assigned an accountability partner. And they can help you, especially in taking your first steps to becoming a better speaker. You can take a college course on public speaking. Give a speech in front of a mirror. Watch your facial expressions. Watch your body. Watch what you do with your hands. And then finally, my best advice on being a better speaker is speak. Just speak whenever you can. Whenever someone has an opportunity for you, take it. The way to improve a skill is by repetition and frequency. Now, as far as writing is concerned, you know I love a journal. And I think it would do you a great deal of service by keeping a journal. This helps you develop the habit of writing. There are also writing clubs out there that you can join. I had breakfast with a wonderful lady this weekend who belongs to both a reading club and a writing club. Have people who are more skilled that can help you edit and critique your letters and your emails. Uh, Again, there's college courses on writing. And then that book you've been thinking about for quite some time. Why not get started and take a few steps toward writing it? Becoming a better speaker and writer will be based on three things. You ready? One, do it. Two, get feedback. Three, act on the feedback. Do it, get feedback, and act on the feedback. Another communication tip I'd have for you today, and this one is more difficult than you think, learn to listen. Communication is not one direction. It goes both ways. And to become an effective communicator, you must be a good listener. All the following examples show the power of listening. The parent who listens for the feelings of their child. The salesperson who listens for what kind of product the client wants. The boss who listens to the concerns of his employees. Can you see how listening in these situations enables you to become a better communicator? Once you know what your audience wants, you will be better able to communicate more fluently with them. So we talked about listening skills, and I want to talk to you about writing skills, and I want to talk to you about speaking skills. 
Those three improved will make you a much better communicator. Thanks for listening today. You can catch us on iTunes, on Google Play, on Stitcher, on iHeartRadio. And we think you can probably voice activate us with Amazon's Alexa and Google Home. Wherever you get your podcasts, be sure to leave us a rating. And also, would you mind giving us a good review? It would be something you could put on your list for doing something nice for others, and it would help us out. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Better Than Before. And remember, until I talk to you next time, everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.